Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. As you know, I'm your host, Kendall, and I'm here today with a very special guest, As I'm going over my reading list in 2023, this author is one that I have read three of her books this year. She is probably my standout author for the year. She is an Edgar Award-winning novelist, and she writes across multiple genres, which I think is really cool and really interesting. I've read most of her gothic thrillers, like The Female of the Species, The Initial Insult, and The Last Laugh, which I only finished a couple days ago. Please welcome Mindy McGinnis. Mindy, thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you got started as a writer. And then I'm even more curious about writing across multiple genres. And was that always your intention? Uh, Yeah. So I always wanted to be a writer. Like even when I was a little kid, my whole life, I wanted to be a writer. I'm always tell people I grew up um, on a farm in Ohio. We didn't have a lot of extra cash. So I grew up, we had a TV, but like I grew up without any sort of gaming system and like the rule, no computer or anything like that. And the rule Mm -hmm. in my house was the sun was up, the TV couldn't be on. Like if you had the TV on day, you were a piece of shit. So it's (laughs) like, that's just, we didn't do that. Um, So, and I had toys, but uh, a lot of the time, like go outside and play, like that's what I did. And so, and I read a lot, I had a lot of books. And I had a lot of free time that was involved with creative play. And so like those things just kind of came together and I was always making up stories. And Mm. when I was little, I discovered that I always, well, not always, but typically I found supporting characters and sidekicks more interesting than Mm. main characters. So I would make up stories for them. Like they would have their own little spinoffs in my head. Or if I finished a book and I was like, that's a stupid ending or I didn't like it, I would just (laughs) give me one in my head. And then, you know, I got a little bit older, like second, third, fourth grade. I was like, oh, I'm writing. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. So then I started writing, you know, my own little short stories and things like that. And um, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but I also, um, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Ohio and everyone in my family is a farmer or a teacher. That's it. That's what Mm -hmm. we do. And uh, I didn't know how, like, how does a person do this? Um, I went to college, majored in English literature and uh philosophy and um, my sophomore year in college i was just like i i don't know what a person does with these degrees (laughs) and without an education degree the answer is nothing but yeah i was like what in what am i gonna do and you know in the back of my head i'd always wanted to be a writer but i'd never sat down and written a novel ever i'd never finished anything and i was like well i better see if i can and so in college like at about i think i was 18 i started writing like I sat down and I wrote the very first novel I ever finished which was actually a version of the female of the species so oh, really 
Yes. So I wrote a version of that very, very different from what exists, but I wrote a version of that when I was in um, college. Uh, fast forward, graduated from college, continued to work in retail for a couple of years, couldn't mm-hmm. get published, um, really struggled. I got a job as an aide in a public school library, and I did that uh, ultimately for 14 years, but um, you know, didn't make any money, nothing worth living off of. And then finally, um, five books I'd written uh, four different novels that were trunked and I had been querying for 10 years when I got an agent with my fifth novel that I ever finished. And um, I've been really fortunate and I've sold um, uh, well more than a book a year since then. So my 13th book comes out in March. Yes. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm super excited about that one. I'd love to talk about that one too. But uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been publishing for 10 years now and I've been lucky enough to uh, do this full time at this point Mm -hmm. in my life. I'm able to do it full time. So, uh, and Gus is very happy because that means <laughs> that's what he needs. Mm-hmm. For the listeners, there's a beautiful Dalmatian with us looking at the camera and sitting right there begging to be pet and paid attention to. At all times. <laughs> the way that I found you for the first time in the first book I read was The Female of the Species. And truly, I saw it at the bookstore for my birthday this year. And I was like, that cover is stunning. And I would say the same before the initial insult. I think the Red Rock, which is your new one coming out in March, also has a very beautiful cover. And I started reading it. And I think the first page, like the first passage where Alex talks about her sister teaching her about boys and to be fearful of them was just so beautifully written. And I was like sucked in and I loved the book. It's also very dark. And the three that I read have been very dark. Do you write dark books even across the other genres like fantasy that you write or how do they differ and how do you pick which genre to go with? Do you just, the story comes to you? Like walk us through that process. So pretty much everything I write is going to be dark. So I write across genres, but everything you get is going to be fairly dark um, and exploring themes that, you know, quite often make people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I enjoy. That's what I like. And even when I was a little kid, uh, that's what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And people often ask me like, what the hell happened to me when I was a child? And like, <laughs> actually nothing. Like I, I had a great, great life. My mom and dad had their 50th anniversary this <laughs> week. Actually, like my mom and dad love each other. I have a sister. She loves me. I love her. Like, I don't know. This is how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so the genre, it's like, you can always count on my books to be dark and to make you think and to really like make yourself ask some hard questions mm-hmm. about humanity and like yeah. maybe even about yourself sometimes and um, what you believe and what you think is good or right or true mm-hmm. and how situations can possibly change that sometimes um yeah. I just I operate in the gray area that's what I find interesting is the gray areas and I think a lot of life is gray we like to think about black and white mm-hmm. but uh, it's very rare that something is yeah. black and white. And yeah. uh, we don't like to acknowledge that because it makes life more complicated if you have to actually think about things. So I enjoy writing out of the gray and so that's what you're going to get in any of my genres. Um, yeah. Now, as far as how I choose, like stories just happen in my head. Um, I read across genres. Mm. So I write across genres, the stories that occur to me. Um, you know, I don't question them. Inspiration is something that once you have it, 
you should never ignore it. And if you get yeah. something that strikes you, you need to, you need to listen basically. Yeah. So um, I've never had an idea for a romance <laughs> and I don't really know if that'll ever happen, but you know, if it does, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm guessing mm-hmm. I'm writing a romance because yeah. that is, that's just, you can't question it when you get it. Yeah. But even if you don't write, it's funny, like romance, you say you haven't had an idea for, but it's, it's interesting how romance or love or platonic love exists within the books as well. And I think for me, I don't read romance that often, but I love it when it's in a story. Like, I think that's part of the character building. I think that's a part of, you know, the storytelling and they're, like you said, questioning humanity, like reading the female of the species, I felt Alex's rage and I like so identified with her and so was rooting for her in her entire journey. And I just, I think, I, I just loved it. I loved how raw and honest and real and you didn't shy away from anything with it. And I highly recommend it to anybody. It was very, very good. I appreciate it. That one is very much, um, you know, book of the heart. And it's a book I I just feel like as women um, and girls, there's so many things that we're not allowed to be, but I feel mm-hmm. like one of them is that. Like we're just, mm-hmm. we're not allowed to be bad and we're certainly not allowed to rage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what we do, it's either funny or it's cute or it's mm-hmm. sexy or it's mm-hmm. ridiculous, right? Yeah. It, it's never like, no, you deserve to be as pissed off as you are right now. Yeah. You go pissed, right? Yeah. 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 Or like you're crazy for having those feelings in the first place. And like the blame yeah. is never on the person that caused that feeling. Yeah. No, I yeah. devoured it. I like loved it so much. Now, my question for you is... You say ideas come to you. Where do you get your inspiration? And then where do you actually write? Like, where do you find yourself sitting down and writing? And what time of the day do you have snacks okay. with you? Like, walk us through. Um, so I travel a lot. Um, you know, part of my income, obviously, is writing. A significant part of my income comes from um, school visits and speaking fees and things like that. So I am traveling all of the time. I am in a car, on a plane, in a, you know, airport. I can't have a place. If there was, if I said I have to be in my office, I don't have an, I don't even have an office. It was like, if I have to be in a certain place to write every day, Mm -hmm. I would never write. So um, I have no parameters. I have no rules. I don't have anything. I have to be able to write whenever it's time to write. And when it's time to write, I don't also have a certain hour. The only parameter I have when I'm drafting, I must write a minimum of a thousand words a day. So that's like four pages, five pages. So I have to write a thousand words a day or 5,000 in a week. And if I'm in a situation where I got to go, 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 it's whatever we got to do to hit the deadline. If I got Mm -hmm. 3,000, then I'm writing 3,000 words a day. If I got to write five, I'm writing five and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do it till it's done. Um, yeah, I never, uh, I don't outline, I don't plot, I don't plan. Mm-hmm. I usually have no idea what's going to happen in my books. I just start writing at the beginning and I see what happens. And um, that way it's more interesting for me. Um, the important thing to know really about me when it comes to writing is that um, no one um, ever taught me. And I don't mean that in the sense that I'm like this ingenue. I mean it, whereas it's like, I learned how to write by reading. So mm-hmm. I never took a school writing class in my life. I did not in high school, not in college, not as an adult. I didn't do like weekend retreat, like nothing. I've never done mm-hmm. anything like that. So when you read, you know, it's all, it's exploratory. Like you mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. And yeah. so I write the same way. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I just start writing and, uh, you know, 
uh, it's worked 13 times so far. So <laughs> do you then have to go back? Like, for example, if you're writing one that is a part of a series, a trilogy, a duology, whatever it is, do you then have to go back and kind of reread it to remind yourself of details or how does that process look writing the next book? Uh, not really. So um, I've written three duologies and each time I never, I did not go back and read the first one. Um, we have, when you're traditionally published, you have this lovely safety net called a copy editor. Uh, and so it's like, if you mix up <laughs> mom's name, like they're going to catch it. If you, uh, you know, if you said that somebody lived, I don't know, in a red house and then in book two, they live in a greenhouse, your copy editor is going to catch that. So, um, I, I make my copy editor work. I don't do that. Like I don't reread. I don't do anything like that. The only thing that I do when I am working on something, when I'm in the process of drafting, because I'm learning the characters as I write. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I have an idea. Like obviously Alex has a certain setup. Like I know yeah. what she needs to be, but I don't necessarily know how she's going to be that. Mm -hmm. So usually like I'm getting to know them as I write. So usually the first like 25 to 30 pages, I got to go back after I finish the book and make sure that the character is obviously the character changes over the course yeah. of the book but I gotta make sure that the way I wrote them in the beginning is how essentially as a human they came out later on mm. so um, and sometimes they defy you a long stretch of bad days is my newest that's published and I had a character that I needed like I thought for plot points like she had to be kind of a you know like a Mary Sue and just be like pretty perfect and pretty good and pretty always doing the right thing and just like good to her core. And I started writing her and she's the only narrator. And the other girl is supposed to be like the rough one and the wrong side of the tracks one and the angry one. Well, I started writing her and um, she was mad. Like she was angry and all of her inner monologue was just fighting and catching. And I was like, dude, no, 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 no. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not your job. That's yeah. not your job. Yeah. That's not you wiped it went back to the beginning wrote the first chapter again and she was still pissed off i was like dude no wiped it wait, wrote it again and she was still that way and i'm like okay fine like i can't yeah i tried to make her be sweet and then she just died like she refused to be anything and i was like okay fine you're angry got it and um you know then i adjusted uh the other character to be angry but to, she's humorous. Like she uses humor as her shield and mm. she also punches people, but like she'll, <laughs> she, she uses, um, all of her dialogue is funny and, um, any bite is humor. Mm. And, uh, Lydia, the narrator is just like internally, she's very, very angry, but she's hiding it so that her exterior doesn't show that. Mm. And that made her more complicated and made her a, a full whole character. Oh, I like that. Now I'm curious. So you wrote that book all through one person's perspective because the other ones I've read have been through multiple characters' perspectives. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on the story and what the story wants. My first two are single POV. Uh, my first three, actually, because The Madness So Discreet, that's the one that won the Edgar Allan Poe Award. That one is mm -hmm. a single POV. Uh, then Species, Female of the Species was the first time I did Split. Heroin is a single narrator. Be Not Far From Me is a single narrator. So I just mix it up. Um, yeah. My fantasy, I think in the sequel, in the sequel to my fantasy, I think there's, I think there's maybe seven narrators. Like it oh, gets, wow. Yeah, it gets bigger in the sequel to the fantasy. But um, yeah, so the most I think I've ever written 
27, wow. but that's a guess. That's a really lot. To, that's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. It's a fantasy world. Like you yeah. gotta have eyes everywhere. <laughs> and it's funny. I really enjoyed the fact that when I read the initial insult, it was specific characters. And then by the second book, it was different like POVs. And that was really interesting. And I enjoyed that because you get another, you get to be inside a different character's head that you had been introduced to. And I really enjoyed that. And that very much on purpose too, because Mm -hmm. the character that gets an additional, well, not an additional, there's only one single narrator that stays true throughout both. Yeah. But the narrator, the male narrator that gets added for the last laugh is a person that inside is not at all who you thought he was. Literally threw me for a loop. And like, I had a different, I don't want to give too many spoilers for whoever listens because they should read the book, but it he was not who I expected. And by the end of the book, I just, I, I think I even liked the second book more just because of that. Like it just yeah. completely took me by surprise in the way that yeah. it ended. And I really enjoyed no, absolutely. it. That was all very much on purpose because in the first book, like he's a victim all the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, I want to take care of you. I want to make sure you're okay. I'm so sorry for you. And then yeah. like two starts with his POV and you're just yeah. like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. And then the other male character in it who you don't ever see his POV, but like in the first one, you think he's a bully. And then by the second one, he has a little bit of growth and like something else. And you just, that takes you by surprise, I think as well. Yeah. And you also realize that he uh, was right about mm-hmm. his assumptions and all mm-hmm. of the things that made him a bully in the first yeah. book actually make him a hero in the second book. It's crazy. It so, was very well done. Like I think that's off. That's why I like the gray area, man. It's like <laughs> nobody's one thing. You read that first book and you're like, all right, like I got it figured out. You're the yep. bully. You're the victim. You're the hero. You're the princess. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, no. Yeah. All of that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Throw it out the window. Yeah. So then what was your hardest book to write and what was the easiest, do you think? So Female Species was probably the easiest. That book just like fell out. Well, I shouldn't say it was the easiest. The very first time I wrote it when I was 18, like it was awful. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very first time you write a book is just painful. Um, but that was a pretty easy book to write. Like it's just, it's emotion, right? It's all emotion. Um, the hardest book, the hardest book for me to write. Well, I mean, I got a double answer here. So be not far from me, which is my book that is like, um, I call it drunk hatchet with a girl. (laughs) So it's about a girl that gets lost in the smoky mountains and she has Mm -hmm. to find her way out. Um, that one was the hardest to write in a lot of ways because, Simply because my main character is alone for 99% of the book. She's alone. There's nobody for her to talk to. There's no dialogue. When it comes to plot, it's like, well, what's going on? Oh, she's walking through the woods. That's Mm -hmm. it. For an entire book, right? And um, I sold this, all of my books, I sell them on spec, which means I'm like, hey guys, I have an idea. And they're like, cool idea. Here's some money. Write the book. Mm-hmm. And every time, especially though with Be Not Far From Me, I was like, what the hell have I done to myself? Because <laughs> I started writing it. And I was just like, oh my God, like she's alone. And um, when it comes to a survival narrative, there's only, there are, there's an extremely limited plot point. There are only so many things that can happen. Uh, Starvation, weather, animal attack, injury. That's it. Like those Mm -hmm. are the only things that happen to you. And I'm just like, oh my God, 
what have I done? And so I was like, how do I make this different than every other survival story? And I was like, I know she's menstruating. So I made her menstruate. I just mm. figured that was the answer. Oh, um, I have to read that one then. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. would be hard to write. Super Ooh. hard. Yeah. Oh. That one was super hard. Um, and then my book that comes out in March, uh, Under This Red Rock. So my main character has a very, very, very severe mental illness. And um, while I was writing that, right before, actually, um, about four months before I started writing that book, I decided that I didn't need to be on my antidepressant medication anymore. Because I was like, I feel fine because I'm on antidepressant medication. Yeah. And I've been on it for 15 years. And so I went off and I did it the right, like I tapered, I did everything the way you're supposed to. And right when I started writing that book, I think I'd been totally off, like cleared out of my system for about three months. And um, I went bat fucking shit crazy. Like I lost my mind. And I kept saying to myself, you're okay. You're going to be okay. You knew that this would happen. And, you know, I was taking all of these. I was exercising and I was making sure I was drinking water and I was getting sunlight and I was drinking mm-hmm. Um, you know, or I was taking supplements and I was doing like, and going to therapy like twice a week. Yeah. Like I was doing everything mm-hmm. that, you know, doing Reiki. Like I was doing everything that I could think of and it didn't matter. I was losing my mind. Um, and so it was very interesting to write a book about severe, severe, severe mental illness while I was essentially having a nervous breakdown so like the book itself is just like the people that have read it are like, I mean, I literally, I was at a, a English teacher's convention and a girl, a woman walked up to me and she was like, Hey, I just read this. And then like, she picked up her Kindle and she showed me her e-arc and she was like, are you okay? <laughs> and I just like, I started laughing and I was like, I wasn't when I wrote the book, like I'm not gonna lie to you. I was not okay while I was writing that book. Um, and since then I have gotten on a medication and a uh, different one, but I am, you know, recalibrated and I'm fine, but mm-hmm. I really was like, not, I was not stable when I wrote that book. And, um, interestingly enough, uh, I, so I'm not advising anyone that is like, I want to write a really fucked up book. Yeah. I think I'll go off my med. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not a good idea. But then I was onboarding onto what I'm on now when I was editing it and anybody that's ever mm. on onto a, um, a depression or an anxiety medication, there is a pretty long adjustment period and it can really mess you up. Um, and uh, so I was uh, one of the side effects. So my main character hears voices like that's part of what she suffers from. And one of the side, it's rare, but one of the side effects of onboarding onto the medication I'm on now can be like, auditory hallucinations. I didn't hear voices. It was nothing like that, mm-hmm. but I would hear music like randomly. Wow. Um, I would hear a dog bark and it wasn't my dog. Like I know his bark. Um, I would hear cellophane crinkling right next to my ear. Like really so wild. Yeah. It was insane. And I was just like, well, still going crazy, you know? And then yeah. God bless you in some ways, God bless you Reddit, because, um, the forums on Reddit, other people that were going through this uh, mm-hmm. same onboard process were like, nope, that's, you're okay. It'll go away. And I was like, all right, thanks guys. And it did. So, you know, it was just, it was, that book was so hard. To, it would have been hard anyway. And then it was harder because of what I chose to do to myself at that point in my life. And um, 
but man, I think it really informed the book, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm really, I'm really excited for it to come out. It also has a beautiful cover. Um, and I should say all of the cover art, uh, from all the books that you're mentioning, the cover artist is, uh, Corey Brickley oh. and they are on Instagram. It's C-O-R-E-E-Y. And I think it's B-R-I-K-L-E-Y. Okay. We'll tag them in the, in the show notes. I love them. They're so beautiful. I'm so excited. When does it come out? March? I think 19th. 2024. Everybody get excited. So then what would be some advice that you would have for aspiring writers? I have tried to be one myself. Sure. Um, so when I always, when I was, you know, younger and people would ask me what I wanted to do, and I would say I wanted to be a writer and they were always like, oh, don't quit your day job. And I'm like, you're <laughs> funny. You're so funny. You're a dentist. Do you like that? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so my advice, it is not that because I would never say that to anybody. My advice is have a day job because I worked full time and wrote for seven years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until my seventh novel came out that I was financially stable enough to say, I'm going to try this. Mm. and just be a writer. So I had seven novels under my belt before I was able to, to give it a shot. And even then, like it was tight. It was quite tight for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So, and even now it's like, I do okay, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I always tell people, I think I bought this shirt 15 years ago. Like this, the shirt is 15 years mm-hmm. old. You know, It's like, I'm not a person that spends money on things and stuff. I'm just not that kind of person. So, and that's lucky because I can't fund that kind of lifestyle. So, um, you know, I do okay. I make a living. I have no complaints, but my advice is to have something that, you know, that you want to do that you could do for the rest of your life and be happy. I was a librarian and well, I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't have my master's. I was an aide. I was getting ready to go get my master's because I knew that I could mm-hmm. be a librarian the rest of my life and I could be happy. Mm-hmm. And I could have, I could have been a librarian and been happy. I got lucky and I got published. So um, know something that will pay the bills and you'll have insurance and you'll have retirement and you'll have all those boring things that you don't want to think about because <laughs> I'm 44 and I don't have insurance. Like I got to buy my insurance. You know, it is mm-hmm. just expensive as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have retirement. Like I don't have that. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the benefits are cool. I'm my own boss. I make up my own work. I get up when I want to get up. I go to bed when I want to go to bed. But I pay like almost $500 a month for insurance. So, you know. Yep. Yeah. Believe me that the insurance conversation is one that like I had with my parents when I first got out of college and I was looking for jobs and that in this country makes me the most like anxious about Um, containing and having. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, it's kind of a segue into my first topic, but I like to discuss happiness which is so different from some of the dark topics of your book, but can you give me your definition of happiness? Um, no, I'm sorry. I should (laughs) because you, you see the questions in advance and I looked at them and I was like, Oh, that's going to be a tough one. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I think that happiness is something that is by definition supposed to be fleeting. I don't think you're supposed Mm. to be happy all the time. I think contentment Mm. is underrated. And I think that contentment is, should be the goal. Um, I think if you are happy all the time, then you're probably don't have your eyes open mm-hmm. all the way. 
And then uh, to kind of segue in, into a little bit more of what you just said, but like, because it is this fleeting thing, do you think that the things that make you happy change over time? Or do you find in yourself, like it's kind of been the same things forever? Um, so that's a really good question. Uh, the things that make me happy, I'm always, I can tell you what makes me unhappy every mm. time and what triggers my depression and uh, my anxiety, uh, is boredom. Boredom mm. every time. If I don't have something to do, my brain's like, Hey, what could go wrong in the whole entire world? <laughs> and I'm like, brain. Oh my God. Yeah. Why are we thinking about this? And it's like, cause it's important. To yeah. your and I'm like, no. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, I need to be busy. Mm. Being busy makes me happy slash content. So where I run into problems is that I could very easily, very easily, and sometimes I definitely do, um, have workaholic tendencies. Mm. So I will, and I don't have a set schedule, right? So it's like, yeah. I will just work. And if I get bored, if I feel like boredom sitting in, it's like, oh shit. And I got to do something so that I don't get like depressed and I'll work more. So I have to be very conscious of the fact that I know that I need to be busy, but I also have to have things that I do with my life that are not just working. So I always, I like the things that make me happy might change, but a consistent thing is that I like to do th things with my hands. Um, okay. I, I like to make things, uh, you know, when I was younger, I cross stitched a lot and now I'm getting older and that's just harder on my eyes. Um, I started knitting like about mm. 10 years ago. So like knitting, cross stitching, um, I just started quilting about mm. two months. So it's like that kind of stuff. Um, the things that I just, I know broadly, the things that make me happy or content is making things and doing things and being busy and using my hands. Um, that always makes me happy. Uh, my dog makes me happy. I, I realize I haven't said anything about any humans. Uh, <laughs> they're there though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are humans in my life. That I enjoy and A community is nice. <laughs> yeah. It's very nice. And I live in a really, really small town and, um, everybody knows everybody. Like mm. we all know each other. And like, it's a, it's a norm situation. You know, you walk into a room and everybody's like, hey, like everybody knows who you yeah. are. And yeah. Not just me, like everyone. That's just how, what, how it is here. And I like that. And it's very good for me. Mm -hmm. So um, nature always makes me happy. Being outside always makes me happy. Hiking, camping, climbing, all that stuff. Uh, I exercise, man. I CrossFit like four times a week. Really? Um, I am a pretty dang, I'm probably in the best shape of my life right now as a 44 year old. Um, I found that out later on, but it's like exercise makes me happy. Moving my body makes me happy. So it's like, I have to be engaged. I have to be engaged in something and reading, you know, obviously comes in there too, mm -hmm. but that's my wind down into the day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the things that make me happy. I will say this, things that have changed. Um, I don't want, I used to all the time, movies, TV all the time. And anymore, I'm just like, I couldn't, I don't watch TV anymore. Um, and it's not because I don't think there's anything good or anything like that. I just like, I don't care. Mm. I'm not, I'm just not interested. Um, mm. I'm also not interested in social media, like at all. I <laughs> give less of a shit. And I don't use it. Like I post, I post things, but I don't look 
at anything. So uh, one of my friends was actually asking me about this the other day. She was like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I learned that the, it's just, it's so, I wrote a book about addiction and I learned a lot about addiction when I was writing it. And everything that is on our phones is just like, it's an addiction model. Our phones mm-hmm. are an addiction model. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became very, very, very aware exactly how bad it could be last summer. Um, I never had TikTok and I downloaded TikTok because I was like, well, I got to figure out this book talk shit, right? Mm-hmm. And I downloaded TikTok and I would lose an hour. I would lose mm-hmm. an hour. And I had a book due and I was like, what are you doing? You just watched cats miss their jumps for nine, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, okay, this is bad. Like it's bad for you and you aren't able to regulate yourself with this. Mm-hmm. So we're not doing it. So, um, I actually took TikTok totally off my phone for a while. I, I brought it back recently, Same. but I don't look at it. Um, I, I, you know, open it up. I flip immediately to the creator page and I make, and that's true for all the platforms. I, tweet or I make my Facebook post or my Instagram, like I do whatever it is. And then, you know, tags and blah, blah, blah. And out. I mm-hmm. never look at it because I know I'll get sucked in and I got too much shit to do, man. Yeah. I've noticed that. And I've talked to my friends about this because everything's on a streaming platform and you don't have the same commercial breaks that you usually do. If you're watching Hulu or one of those platforms that has commercials, I bring up my phone to look at TikTok or Instagram during those commercial breaks instead of just like sitting through or getting a snack or like doing anything else. And it's insane. Yeah, Cause you have to be entertained mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I honestly, it's like, I got no judgment. I know everybody, there's no part of me that's like, I'm better than everyone else because I don't look at social media. Believe me, I fall into it mm-hmm. plenty. I just recently, like in the past six months, just cut myself off totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has made me like a better, happier person. Mm-hmm. My attention span is longer. Um, I don't do, I, cause I used to do exactly the same thing. Um, you know, dude, I'd be at a goddamn stoplight and I'll be like, you know, it just turned red. <laughs> I can probably look at a freaking TikTok or I can see if somebody responded to my Instagram post. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, dude, you're sick. like, this is actually, <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is something that is something that makes me unhappy. Yeah. It makes me very unhappy. And like, even when I looked at, like, I would hate myself. It's like, you would look at I, everything I looked at, nothing that I looked at on social media made me happy. It all made me feel bad about myself. All of it. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I doing this? So then what would you say are some lessons that have been really impactful in your life? Um, oh, some of them aren't pretty. Uh, <laughs> um, I've got pretty big trust issues. I'll say that real big ones. So like lessons, it's really, it, it, I'm all my walls are up most of the time. Um, so that's like, that's not a, that's not a positive quality, but it's there. Um, I have learned that cause I'm a, I can be a really negative person and other people's like happiness sometimes will just like irritate me. <laughs> and when I was a child in particular, right? It's like, I'm miserable. Why are you laughing? I hate you, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it was like, I had to learn uh, that it's other, it's okay. Like other people are allowed to be happy. And I just kind of learned how to mask 
like, it, I mean, you know, it's like when you're at a party and you're the driver and so you're the only sober one and everyone else is drunk and you're just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> drunk people are stupid. Why uh -huh. am I here? And like, everyone's annoying and dumb. So it was <laughs> like, that was kind of like my life all the time. That was my inner monologue, like all the time. Nobody had to be drunk. I was just like, everyone's stupid. <laughs> and like, I had to, as I got older, um, I had to, I had to realize that no, they're not stupid. I'm angry all the mm. time. And it's like, I've got to figure that out and iron out my shit. Uh, so, you know, that, that was a big lesson. Um, also just like being, um, you know, just because I'm in a bad mood, everybody else's good mood doesn't need to be offensive to me. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, I can just shut up and be unhappy, <laughs> mm -hmm. sit on it and not ruin everyone else's day, you know, like yeah. that. Kind of um, yeah, that kind of thing. And also just like, I don't know the world I have, you know, ask me on a different day, but it's just like, mm -hmm. you know, I have my days where I'm like, well, the world is shit and life is pain. And, you know, mm -hmm. and then I have days where I'm like, you know, that's actually not true and it's going to be okay. And everything's fine. And people are inherently good. And then the next <laughs> day, I'm like, I'm like, nope, that's boy, that Mindy yesterday's Mindy was, <laughs> you know, so it's, I don't know. I, I think recognizing that was like really, really big for me. Um, when I have a bad day, mm -hmm. knowing that it'll be over, right? Like I mm -hmm. more than likely tomorrow, I won't feel the same way. Yeah. And tomorrow when I wake up, go to bed. Like that's something that I learned. It's like, you're having a shit day, Mindy, go to bed, like mm -hmm. go to bed. And when you wake up tomorrow, your day will, will be different. Yeah. Maybe not awesome, but it's going to be better than you feel right now. And that was like a really big part of me, like really being able to manage my depression and anxiety in particular was like realizing that it, it's not, it will stop. Mm -hmm. It will like, it's, there's a cycle and I, and I recognize that. And then I was like, okay, like, yeah, today's a shit day. We feel like shit today. We're just, mm -hmm. it's going to be shitty and we're going to feel shitty and everything's going to be dumb and everybody's stupid and nothing is fun. And everybody's <laughs> annoying. And then tomorrow, these same people, I will love them so much and be so happy to see them and everything's fine. And I know that tomorrow will be better. So go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> I like that one. I think I'm the kind of person that unfortunately, I go zero to 100 with whatever emotion I'm in. So like, if I'm in a bad mood, like my day is shot and it's really yep. hard to get me out of it. So I, I also have to like reel myself in because not everybody else is in that mood. Well, and recognizing it is good. And that's uh, knowing it, knowing that you do it is good. I, um, you know, like I said, I've been in a relationship for a pretty long time. And uh, just a few weeks ago, there was just like a little dust up. And he was like, I can't say anything right right now. Everything <laughs> I said right now is wrong. And I was like, yep, yep, you're right. <laughs> I was like, nope, you're totally right. It's like, I'm doing it. I, I, mm -hmm. I recognize that I am doing that right now. And he mm -hmm. was like, okay, cool, good. Like, you know, you're doing it. And I'm like, yep. And I'm sorry. And we're going to, I'm going to go home now and I won't be this way tomorrow. And he's like, mm -hmm. I know you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just like, yeah. you know, you learn that about yourself. And when you know it, you can control it a little bit more. It doesn't mean it's gone. It's just that like, you recognize it and you're like, yep, yeah. being a bitch. Now. Yep. Being a bitch. Yep. So then my next question is kind of a two-parter what do you still hope to accomplish? And is there any genre or type of story you haven't written yet that you'd like to? Um, what would I like to accomplish? Um, I would like to write for the adult market. That is a big goal. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want to write for the adult market. Um, there's really not a genre that I haven't written that I would like to. Um, I probably more than likely will never write a romance. It's probably not going to happen. I probably won't write a sci-fi. It's just not my arena and I don't read it widely. Um, mm -hmm. If anything, I would say, because my books are really dark, like as you know, mm -hmm. but there are moments where they are just like fucking funny. And it's like, I will have lines in there that are just, they're there to make you laugh. And mm -hmm. um, a long stretch of bad days in particular is, it's just, it's actually funny. And like my review specifically was like, this book is funny. And I was like, thank God. Like, <laughs> like I try to put some funny in there. And so um, I am specifically right now working on two different um, adult projects that would both fall into like the black comedy Mm. um slash women's fiction kind of mm -hmm. arena so mm -hmm. like that I'm I really have my fingers crossed for both of those projects they're funny they're biting they're sharp they're adult and it's like I would like to get that other part of my voice out there because the the darkness and the gritty and the salt and the uh the burn you know that's mm -hmm. what I'm known for which is great because it's definitely a huge part of me but I can also be very very funny and um I'd like to get some more of that on the page. Oh, I'd be excited to read those. So then how often are you working on two things at once ever? Or is it like one and then the other? And then if you're working on two things at the same time, how do you compartmentalize? I'm currently working on one, two, three, four, five, five different projects. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, compartmentalizing isn't that hard just because they're so vastly different from okay. one another. So it's not that hard. Um, okay. I do uh, typically what I would prefer would be to work on one thing one day. And then the next day I focus mm -hmm. on something else Okay, um, because some of it is, some of it is like vastly different, but if I'm in a pinch and I got to switch my hats, um, I will have a writing uh, stint for like, you know, an hour or whatever, maybe hour mm -hmm. and a half, like whatever my goal is, I hit that goal and then do the laundry, take, go for a run, do whatever, like do the dishes yeah. in the house, get all that out of the drains and then come back and do something fresh. Mm, something yeah. Different. No, that's smart. That's smart. Wow. I've never thought about actually like that anybody would write two things at the same time. I feel like that would be so challenging, but I guess having a break like that probably is very helpful. Uh, yeah, I was writing. <laughs> so I was writing the female, the species at the same time I was writing uh, the first book in my fantasy series. Wow. Yeah. And they are vastly different. Yeah. So when they're vastly different, it's actually easier. Oh yeah. I bet it would be. Yeah. Nothing bleeds into it. Nope, mm. not at all. Well, surprise, we've come to the last question, but it is my favorite question to ask anybody because I think people take it very differently. So what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? What would Any I answer? do if I knew I would fail? Any answer. I'd get married. Yes. <laughs> That's quite an answer. It's like my friend who was like, oh, I'd rob a bank. And I was like, who of anything? Yeah, I'd rob a bank. That's funny. No, I'd get married. If I knew, <laughs> if I knew I wouldn't fail, because I already did that once and I failed. So it's like, if I, if I, yeah, I would get married. There you go. Mindy, thank you so much for being here. You have been absolutely lovely. It's so exciting to be able to talk to you when I've devoured and loved your books. And I'm so excited to read all the other ones. Thank you. And so grateful for you to give me any ounce of your time. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And everybody stay tuned because she will be back for a book club episode where we will talk all about her reading styles versus her as an author. So thanks everybody and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Unofficial Book Club Pod. And join the Unofficial Book Club on the Fable app. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time, bye everyone.